0: Welcome to the Nebraska Soybean Board Weekly Market Roundup being brought to you by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkout I'm Susan Littlefield on location, Um, Some folks might recognize this room as the FFA room during the Nebraska State Fair, but Exarbon is underway. Lots of awards that are sitting behind me, which means a lot of great potential for so many youth that are going to be attending this show and competing over the next three days. I did a quick walk through the barn before we started this program, and the excitement is building as kids get ready to hit the show ring for the first run of this year's Exarbon. Well, we got a lot of things to look at. Speaking of livestock, we are going to look at what's happening within this livestock market. We'll talk a little bit about what's happening in the cattle side of it. we got a grain stock report coming out next week. Uh, beans, giving are away to corn. Look at the Federal Reserve, look at export opportunities, what pressure we're gonna see on these markets. And of course the movement as well for this dollar. A lot to cover during this show, so stick around. More's coming up after this. Imagine a future fueled by soy-based possibilities. A future where creativity, and productivity live together under one roof a future that takes you from point a to point b to point z all while ensuring brighter tomorrows for our next generation a soy-based future it's already here well as you can see mike zuzalo is joining us this week mike of course is with global commodity analytics and and mike uh, Interesting uh, trading week as we saw a lot of outside market influences weighing in on these grain complex. And I think I want to start out first talking about the Fed Reserve. I mean, they came out saying on Wednesday they were going to hold back for now on changing interest rates. But there's still the possibility we might see something before the end of the year.
1: Yeah, they they reintroduced and, and reinforced, Susan, their idea of higher for longer on pushing interest rates. And, you know, I kind of equate it to because they're hawkish right now, I kind of equate it to the trade was expecting maybe the hawk to come in and get ready to circle around and and get back on the nest and not raise rates anymore. But I think in what they did this week, they are still hunting game very actively and are very serious about taking the inflation out of the picture in 2024. And that gave us a new six month high in the U.S. dollar. And what that means for U.S. agriculture commodities is that higher for longer means more macro headwinds for longer from that strength in the dollar. But essentially, that strength in the dollar, the genesis or the the starting point for that or the reason for that is these unbelievably high interest rates and bond yields. And we had a fresh uh, high in the two-year bond yield up to levels not seen since 2006 And and, and to put it in a deeper perspective of not only will the dollar be very, very strong with the Federal Reserve policy continuing like this, um, the trade weighted Japanese yen, one of our biggest buyers of corn, of soybeans, of beef, um, the trade weighted Japanese yen this past week actually went to a new record low. It took out its lows from the 1970s. So when I talk to agriculture producers about the demand side of the market and when are we going to get that export market back and can we put in a demand low in 2024, which is something you and I have spoken about, this sets us back. And it's really now up to whether the dollar wants to keep on running as we go into the fourth quarter. And that's just going to keep us more on the defensive and keep us more working from rallies that are weather and supply driven, which tend to be very quick and then they go away very quick. So we're going to have to stay on our game with what the Fed did this week, I'm afraid.
0: Well, you talk about that dollar and the rally, Mike. Does that maybe market us out of some export opportunities while we're struggling to get those exports?
1: Yes, and this is where you and I have talked a lot about my analysis would say historically the wheat market tends to need to make the low before the rest of the market can in terms of the grains and oil seeds, but especially the corn market. I think this year is a, is is kind of a, um, a clinic on that type of analysis, and we'll find out whether my analysis is going to be right or not, because at the same time we've seen this Federal Reserve policy before that Fed meeting, We started to see the U.S. pick up wheat business, Europe pick up some wheat business. We started to hear about um, the Russians lifting their minimum price to $270 a ton on wheat. We found out that the Russians, Russians were going to stop exporting diesel fuel. Some of my sources are suggesting that's in part... Because the Russian farmers are running out of diesel as they get into harvest in some parts of Russia. And so I think with the Australian weather, the Argentine weather, some of these big weather issues that are looming, and some of these numbers that are coming in now from Europe and Russia and Ukraine, even if the Black Sea grain deal would get signed again, or we get some grain deals, grain moving out of the Black Sea uh, from Ukraine, I think we're part now at at this place. Mm -hmm. In the market where the supply of wheat is tight enough in our major competitors that we should see the wheat bottom first. That's what I'm still looking for in this month of September, but that's going to have to come after the dollar makes a high, I'm afraid.
0: What are your thoughts on on, on beans and, and the way they're working or maybe giving way to what's happening in the corn market?
1: I don't want to oversimplify the beans mm-hmm. uh, at this point, Susan, but I do feel like the beans have been bought pretty much all year long and the corn and wheat have been sold. And the funds are long beans and, and the shortest they've been since 2020 on the corn market. And I think at some point they're going to unwind that. When is that point? Well, if history's any suggestion in what we've seen the last few years, it's when the demand goes away and we are starting to see lower crush, lower export demand. Um, The USDA numbers seem to be more right with them taking total demand down in the September report. So I'm inclined to think that with Brazil now planting and then, yes, there are weather issues in South America. But with Brazil planting, the idea would be, do the funds really need to be this long? And are they ready to kind of rebalance their positions because they've been short corn and long beans and net price wise? We're down about 30 percent in corn. Uh, year-to-date, whereas we're only down about 15 in the soybeans at this point. So I think the beans, the path of least resistance with the Brazilian port price still about $50 a ton cheaper than us, and China politically wanting to buy more Brazilian beans and kind of make inflict some pain on us here in the States, I, I think the, the path of least resistance for beans is lower unless that meal market can re- really start to regenerate itself.
0: So these Brazilian producers have got to be kind of excited and maybe sitting back smiling, knowing that they've had so many export opportunities and they didn't really get that lull that we saw this year. Now we're heading into our harvest when we usually start to see an uptick in exports, but the desire is still to go to South America.
1: It is. And you know, adding to that kind of a negativity for us is the drought in the in the mm-hmm. east of the Mississippi River. We found out from the USDA this week in their transportation report that mm-hmm. southbound Barges from Cairo, Illinois to the Gulf are down about 24% from normal. They're limiting upwards of 70% of their towing capacity in their drafts in some locations. And so that just adds more fuel to the fire. And so when we circle back around to this week's trade, the beans going lower because they've had a premium. And then the the row crops really not being able to do much um, because of the rapid harvest and the drought in the east. I think that explains a lot. And it probably puts more impetus on the green stocks report and what the farmer storage capacity is or is not versus last year. Because it sure looks like to me, without a weather pattern change, we're going to have really tough basis in a lot of locations because we can't move it into the export market down the Mississippi.
0: Well, you know, and then, Mike, you add that um, it's kind of a double edged sword because you want to get the grain moved down the Mississippi, but you need the rain to kind of replenish that Mississippi River Basin. But if we get the rain, that means harvest will be delayed.
1: Yeah, and I think that would be one of maybe the best things to happen in terms of trade psychology right now. Susan, I talk to a lot of traders and a lot of colleagues are still thinking that we're going to have a good yield and we're going to have a lot of corn and beans and the earlier it comes on the less stress we need to have. I think many of us are worried about the standability of both corn and beans, the quality of the plants at this point because of the drought areas. And and unfortunately, if we would have bad weather, we may lose quite a bit in the fields this year. I think the trade's at least sensitive to that mindset. Plus we'd replenish the Mississippi and I think they'd be more optimistic about future exports.
0: As we head into this next week's trade, we have a grain stocks report that's gonna head our way. How do you see that as a market influencer?
1: It's going to be big, especially because of what we just got done talking about. And mm-hmm. Remember in the July report, or at the end of June, I should say, the report there as of June 1, the on-farm corn stocks were actually up 5%. The off-farm commercially held stocks were down 15%. And so I would like to see that on-farm number go down I'm, I'm nervous it's not, mainly because farmers didn't really want to sell because their 23 crop wasn't made yet. And it was right at that same time period that we were waiting for that great rain to prevent a 2012 type catastrophe in our cornfields. And then after that, the market slipped very, very quickly. And I'm not sure many jumped on the sales wagon uh, to get the old crop moving. And so I'm uh, I'm more than a little bit nervous about the on-farm storage capacity in that September report. And I think it could play quite a bit of a role, especially in the cash basis and what type of off the combine sales you make. In other words, I'm very leery to do any kind of basis contracts with the 60 under bean basis in many regions of the country right now. So what does that leave me? And that's where that bin space comes back in.
0: Well, we have a cattle and feed report and just, I'm looking at reports in general. Do you see them as Still very relevant to what we see in the market trade that comes the Monday, Tuesday after the numbers are released.
1: I think I think they're huge because we we are now up towards that record high again in fat cattle prices. After Friday, we made a new. I go back to 1980, the end of 1979, on my cattle hog spread. We made a new all time high of 105.45 uh, in terms of that price uh, in the in the cattle minus the hogs. And uh, I, I think it's, yeah, 105.45 in lead month futures. I, I think this is where you've got to feed the bull at this stage of the game seasonally. And, and thinking about 2014, 2015, thinking about the export market that is, that is still kind of pulling back and the consumer that is starting to get more tired. So uh, I, I recognize that the marketings are going to be down because the cattle probably aren't there. I think the big number is going to be the placements. I was amazed to see a 10% spread between the low number the high number on placements. And I think that's directly related to what are the the calving people going to do, the the cow-calf guys going to do with this drought. And I I think that's why it's such an important report because future supplies are right here, right now. And if we don't have them now, we're not going to have them later.
0: Well, thanks for joining us this week, Mike.
1: You bet. Thanks, Susan.
0: We always remind you commodity futures and options do involve a substantial risk of loss not suitable to all investors. And that's this week's Nebraska Soybean Board Weekly Market Roundup.